Season 9, quite a bit of stuff occurred. Let's recap it all! I'm Michael LaFaver. I'm Ryan Matlock. We're two foreboding fans of Beyond Gilead. And you're listening to part one of our review of the season 10 premiere by Lori Twitchell. So join us for episode 126 on our return to Gilead. Well, we've got two episodes in one for the first two episodes of season 10. Both of these sort of tie in, and the first episode is mostly just a recap of previous episodes, and we'll talk about that in a second. These are episodes 10-1, An Approaching Shadow, and 10-2, Choice Morsels. I think both of these were written by Laurie Twitchell, and the John Fornoff writing credit in Approaching Shadow is for the clips that are reused of his. I'm pretty sure that's what's going on here. Sure. Here's the summary for these two episodes. In the middle of the Coleraine mayoral campaigns, Monica Richter begins a plan to bring a ministry called Peace of Heaven to Gilead Lane. Summary for the second episode. The Morrison kids begin to investigate Monica Richter's plans for Coleraine and come to a startling conclusion. How about we start this off just to make sure that it doesn't get pushed way back. Can we start off with a clip of the day for part one and then we'll go into overall thoughts on these episodes? Sure. All righty. Then Jesus told them, You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Hmm. You know, Finn, that's the verse God gave me when I was a little girl. And one of the first verses I read in Braille. God used this passage to help me through that awful time. But I I get the feeling he's bringing it to mind now for some other purpose. Full disclosure, we started to talk about these episodes on a previous recording. There was a lot going on on that recording, so we didn't get to finish it. However, I'd like to jump right back in to where we were with the sense of foreboding that these characters have and the way that Grace is using this verse. I I think there's plenty about these episodes that you could say, yeah, that's fine. But then there's also a fair bit that's like, "Mm, not exactly sure why that's being used here. And then a lot that I'm kind of confused on why this is taking place. Even though I've heard the whole series, I still don't know what feeling I'm supposed to get at this point in the story. So why don't we go into that little section? What do you think of that segment? Well, I think first off, it's a little bit weird because it's uh, the verse seems to maybe be out of context. It's a little difficult because Grace doesn't really say much about the verse. Yeah. she. J- it, 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 this is just kind of a... The the point of this scene is just to instill a sense of foreboding in the audience. Like, oh no, Grace, the really spiritual character, is uh, concerned about something in the future. Something's going to happen. Hmm. But beyond that, like if you take it from sort of the theological implication of that verse... The point of the verse, do you, do you know the context of the verse? Yeah, I think we, we talked about that it's Jesus saying that he... Mm-hmm. It's it's when so there's a voice from heaven that, that talks uh, that speaks. I, I actually didn't remember this until we talked about it. Uh, a voice from right. heaven speaks, and some people in the crowd understand it, others don't. And Jesus uses it to say, "Yeah, you're like I'm going to be here for a little while longer, and I'm going to be like telling you these parables and being here on on earth. Uh, but eventually, uh, I'm going to not be here in person anymore." Is is that what is that what he's saying here? Yeah, essentially that darkness is coming and that darkness is the judgment of God or rather the the end times or it's a, you could sort of read it one or two ways. It's either that the darkness that is to come is 
when judgment comes and you don't have the opportunity to accept Jesus anymore because you, you had your opportunity. Now the judgment of whether you are or are not um, a follower of Christ will come. It's either that or it's that Jesus will be caught up to heaven uh, later and you won't have his voice to guide anymore like like here on earth like he was with the disciples and with the people that he taught yeah i think it's closer to the former interpretation um but all of that said that's what that verse is about it's not about um actually blind people or about the semi-dark things that happen in our lives comparatively <laughs> like you know is someone trying to come into your hometown and cause strife is very small compared to the judgment that we will face at the end of everything, right? Right. Well, I'm also trying to see what was the application that Grace used when she was young of this verse? Well, I think when she she basically says, this is one of the first verses I learned in Braille, and this verse helped me through a tough time. That seems to imply that when she was getting used to her blindness, this verse helped her because it seemed to indicate it was talking about her sight. Hmm. Like, she only had her sight for a little while, so enjoy it before the darkness comes. Or maybe she thought that, that make it sense. meant... She'd or, already be blind. That, that doesn't really make sense. Well, see, it, it doesn't make sense at all because she doesn't explain herself. No. But, like, the other, appli- the other application could be that... It's just that the verse is saying, hey, stick with me because I'm God and I can lead you. That's fine. And she's like, well, okay, so I'm blind. I do need God to lead me and I need a bunch of people to lead me. Mm -hmm. So in this time where I don't know what to do, I'll let people lead me Mm -hmm. and let God lead me. Maybe that's the application. Even so, it's not what the verse was talking about. But The stated theme by Keith for Kids or CBH of this episode is God's light still shines which I guess you could say is apparent in the foreboding feelings that everyone has and John Morrison waking up in the middle of the night and then praying and everything's okay. Except uh, (laughs) maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to shift to talking about that? Like, do you think that these senses of foreboding are actually fine? Like, is this biblical? Sure. Yeah. Uh, As uh, we'll probably reference several times, we've talked, we've talked about this already, but I think what we talked about last time we talked about, in relation to both episodes, how Haley and John both have this sense of foreboding and about sort of the theory about whether that's appropriate in an audio drama to have a character have this almost prophetic sense of foreboding. And I tend to look at it and say, okay, let's look at the, like, first off, let's be very clear that this does happen in real life. It happened in the Bible and it still can happen today. The, way the the specific way that it happens you have to be very careful with because when you're writing something like this it's important to be careful in the way that you portray god that when you want to go anywhere near saying okay and then god did this that there's a precedent for it so for example if i wrote an audio drama where a character's like god i would really like a bike and then 10 bicycles fall from the heavens and just land on the sidewalk next to them, pristine condition. And he's like, thanks, God. That would be, I think, very wrong yeah, to, at, at to portray the, God that way. At the end of the day, this is fiction. 
And we need to understand that when the writer makes God do something, no matter if that happens in real life or not, that has tremendous authority on whether or not we're supposed to believe it happened in this universe. Right, right. But also it just represents how the author views God. And also when you're doing a program like this for impressionable children, that's going to form how they think God works. So if you're going to say, and then God did this for these characters, you better have a precedent at the very least for a place that God did that for someone else in the world. And we have proof that that was the case. Sure. And it wasn't just that person's interpretation of it. Yeah. So the best way to do that is to look to the Bible because we know that the Bible is true. So when we look to the Bible, I look to say like the example of Joseph where there were dreams being given to the prisoners that Joseph was with and then also later to Pharaoh. In those cases, those were dreams that said, this thing is going to happen in the future. And the point of that was to, one, display God's glory. So that happened with the two people in jail because neither of them could actually do anything with the fact that they knew what was going to happen, right? Like, the guy who was going to die still died. The guy who got released still got released. Yeah. Knowing what the fact of the dream was didn't change anything or change how they might interact with the world around them. It was just to say, hey, this guy, Joseph, speaks with God and is able to interpret dreams. And now you can go and tell Pharaoh that and display God's glory. And then in the case of Pharaoh, that was also to display God's glory through Joseph, but it was also to save Egypt and Joseph's brothers, because in that case, they knew what was going to happen in the future, and they were able to take action on it, prepare, and avoid seven years of famine, royally putting them in a dire strait. Here, we have to ask the question, what is happening in this story? Well, it it seems... From the context that we get, we get a bit of a backstory of Monica meeting with Reverend Ivan Brodsky, who is the head of the director or whatever of Peace of Heaven, a ministry based in New York. And he's talking about moving their headquarters to Coleraine. And Monica's offering him a deal about that. So it seems as if the foreboding sense, and we know what happens because we've heard the episodes, it seems that the foreboding sense that John has that. Haley has when she dreamed about the bulldozers and that grace seems to have is all related to that. So at the end of the episode, we don't get it addressed. We'll talk about this too. We don't get it addressed by John that my feeling is still there and I don't know what was going on. He just kind of writes it off. Whereas we as the audience aren't dumb and we can remember that there was something strange going on and that this will be continued at some point. So, Haley's dream about the bulldozers, I think, is a good example to use here. So is that is that dream meaningful? Like from a story perspective, really? That was the most creative way you could do it? To We already knew that there were, were bulldozers and that there was a highway. Why did Haley have to dream it specifically? It doesn't seem to add anything to the plot. Right. If anything, it sort of contributes to her sense of paranoia, which leads to the protest, which leads to do something that God and also her parents don't want her to do. That God doesn't so want her to do? that's a bit strange. <laughs> well, I, I assume that God doesn't want her spreading rumors, since he specifically said not to lie and spread rumors. Well, right? is that a rumor, though? That was the best inference that yes. she could make. Does she have proof? No. Oh, wait then a minute. Then it's a rumor. Hang on, hang on. So have you flipped since last time we talked about this? 
What? Uh, well, your position last time was you didn't like how the kids were kind of treated by oh, their no. parents. Oh, no. I will get there. I will get there <laughs> with my support of the kids. But I'm not. I, at no point did I ever argue that what they did was perfect. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think you can. There are flaws with it. Um, but I, I would say they acted on the best information they had at the time. They had a clip. Of Absolutely. Monica, they had a clip of Monica saying, I will do this regardless of whether I'm elected mayor or not. And the evidence lining up in the best way possible without more information. So leading a protest was a little weird. But also, if that was, if they were actually building casinos there, then that might be effective. And as far as she knew, that was the best course of action. Like, would that have been a good course of action if it was actually a casino there? I don't know, because I think there's a certain question of integrity here. If you know that someone's going to do something, but you don't have proof, and you go around telling something to everybody, then what you're doing is spreading unsubstantiated rumor, even if you think that it's true. Okay. And, I mean, in the end, it wasn't true anyway, so even if Haley thought that she knew what was the case, she clearly didn't. Okay. That's fine. So... Yeah. So, like, I think that maybe, maybe there's a point where you protest if you actually have proof. But even then, like, there there would be a good space for her to talk to her parents about it first. I don't think that it was as urgent as all of that. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm with you on that point. I, I was just a little put off by John saying that's no reason to spread nasty news about them. And when he said that, I thought, well, if there was actually news, if if you did actually know something... It wouldn't matter if, matter if it's nasty or not. Oh, yeah. If you knew it, yeah. which would require proof, then absolutely. Okay. So go go on then uh, from where, where you're going with that. So you were saying it would lead her to gossip, like whatever led her, her to gossip, her, her dream uh, or something oh, yeah. else. We were talking about something there. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, her dream led her to spreading rumors and a bunch of other stuff. It didn't the, – the dream did not lead to spreading God's glory. The dream led to her being a little freaked out and then doing the thing that really at the end of the episode, the episode tries to say that what Haley did was wrong. So sure. like, whether we agree or disagree yeah, I can agree. that what she did was right, we do recognize the episode is trying to say that her action was wrong, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'll, I'll, I'm fine with that. So at the end of the episode, we're supposed to take that God gave her this dream, which led her to do something wrong Maybe so that she would learn a lesson about what not to do. Maybe is but that I, what God's purpose is here? I don't know because her in dream, the fiction, but but her dream was correct. She had an accurate dream about something that Monica had said earlier in the episode. I'm okay if you expand Gilead into a highway, an expressway. So like she had heard, she had heard Monica say that already. No, no, but Monica, we had heard Monica say that. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Then yeah, so it's it gets sticky because it seems like the ep- like the the episode is clearly saying that Haley has had a dream and that John has had a dream slash feeling. Has anyone else had a dream? Continue. So they're all having dreams and feelings of foreboding that we as the audience are supposed to attribute as it, this is like God's divine direction, which I. I would say I have a little bit of a problem with here, mainly because one, you have to, if you're going to do that, you have to show where God does that in scripture at the very least in order to say, 
this is the same God, the same universe that we're talking about here uh, with with authority. Like, if you're going to say that with authority, if you're going to say with authority, God does that, then you need to show me where. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it could just be a feeling. It could be what you ate last night. It could be a lot of things that you're superstitiously attributing to God. Um, but then, you know, the writer might be like, oh, no, it's not superstition. See, in this episode. No, no, no. This is fiction. You can make whatever you want happen. But that doesn't mean that that's how real life works. Maybe it's how real life works, but that's your responsibility to show that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it seems pretty suspicious when you have a character have a very vivid dream about something going on in the plot. So I'll make a you want to make an Odyssey reference here? Absolutely. Are we talking about Jack Allen? Yeah, we are talking about Jack Allen. Just we'll keep this short, but he's got Jack Allen, who's a pivotal character in Adventures in Odyssey, has a dream where he dreams of little forest fires popping up and little pools of water that put them out. And that leads him, it leads him to start a group that acts as a, a pool of water to counteract some bad things that are going on in Odyssey. It spurs him on to action. So in that case, yeah. it's it's not, I had a dream of a bunch of kids dressed up in Bible cloaks taking down this gang. Oh, wait, I think I'm going to start a group of kids dressed up in Bible cloaks to take <laughs> down this gang. <laughs> That's what it feels like here in this episode. Sure. But even in addition to that, I would say Jack Allen is a perfect example of what I'm saying, because the way that their dreams interact with him, as far as like God speaking to him through dreams, mirrors Joseph perfectly, mm-hmm. because he has a vague dream that he's like, this is disturbing, and I don't know what this is. And also, we see in scripture, both with um, Joseph and the story of Pharaoh, and also with... Um, uh, Mr. Nezer. <laughs> <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we ha- we see with multiple king ruler situations, kings who were disturbed by their dream, they wanted to know what it meant, and then once they figured out what it meant, they took action and did something about it. Here we see Jack having a dream, trying to figure out the meaning of the dream, deter- discerning a certain amount of meaning as he kind of listens to God and kind of goes about his day and sort of draws conclusions, and then he takes action based on it. So we can say, okay, I can understand at least the base reason that God gave him that dream. One, to display God's glory, and two, to spur action from his follower. So God is communicating to Jack, right. who serves God and wants to do his will, and that makes sense. Like, I, I can look at that and say, okay, that makes sense. I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. Here, I have no understanding why these three characters are getting dreams. They don't do anything. Yeah, something I was thinking of is, is this arc that's starting around these episodes and that sort of started at the end of last season. What is the char- Who is the character who's brought along on the journey? Because in seasons one through four, it revolved around Grace and Brooke was one of the pivotal characters in it. It was the Morrison mm-hmm. kids all together. In season five, it was Becca who had to go through an arc. I miss her. I really miss her. In season six, it was Caleb. There were very specific characters who went on this journey. I have no idea who to focus on here. I don't know who's supposed to learn a lesson. And this episode implies that it's supposed to be Haley because she's the one with this prophetic dream. So, huh. I think part of the struggle is that I think the, the group that's supposed to go on an adventure is either one the audience, or two, the entire group of Morrison children. 
and the audience definitely goes on an adventure. But (laughs) the attic detectives, the attic attic agents, yeah, which I don't think that was their name before. But anyway, I don't know who this dream is supposed to be for. Like, what what is the point of giving these dreams? It doesn't spur Haley on to action that benefits anyone in Coleraine or even just brings glory to God. It just leads her to do something that everyone thinks was wrong, and it was arguably at least 50% it it was wrong. And then as for John Morrison, he prays, and then he's like, okay, yeah, whatever. And as for Grace, she's just a throwaway scene that doesn't lead to anything either. Well, she ends up giving the audience a, a point of view on something else that's happening. Like, yeah, let's go for a walk. Oh, wait. That's a strange moving truck. I'm going to go talk to the Morrison, see what's going on there. Oh, it's a bulldozer. That's not great. And that's the extent of that. Right. So there's no there, there's no action that the characters can take to prevent any of the things that they dreamt about. So really, unless they end the episode saying, I had a dream about this. God was warning me about this. Thank you, God, for preparing me for this sort of thing or something like that. Then there isn't any glory being given to God. It just seems to paint God as this uh, exposition dump. Yes, <laughs> that is a great like, way to put it. So there's a moment. There's a, a YouTuber who I love to watch on film criticism. I might have even mentioned oh, no, him before. Foreshadowing dump. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Snap. Yes. There. No. There's another. There's a YouTuber who <laughs> talks. Breaks down in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So it was a movie that came out in 2022. Yeah. He talks to one of his friends, this YouTuber, and he says, okay, so these two characters have to learn about each other's backstories. What do you think is the way to do it? And this guy he's talking to says, you're going to have to have dialogue or something that leads into it. Like, they, they exchange a bit of information as they're, yes, they're hurrying into their objective. So they had a different idea in this film. They're walking around, and this is different, different universe, okay? They, they walk past the memory store, and they accidentally stack on a pad that activates memories, and it plays both of those memories. <laughs> in this episode, I forgot we need, about that. In this episode, we need to get Haley concerned about the changes that are happening on Gilead Lane. So let's open the episode with her having a dream about changes happening on Gilead Lane. I guess yeah, that's fine. The but then it does. But then it, but then it doesn't even do anything because if it's supposed to be for the audience, we already knew that. We already knew everything that was going to happen. We knew they, they were going to tear down Mr. Key's house. That was established early on in An Approaching Shadow uh, with Monica talking with Reverend Brodsky. And then the highway was also referenced. Tearing down the other houses, that was, I think Monica said, yeah, we're only going to need to tear down one house. But, you know, you know, she kind of she might want to tear down the rest. But it's also uh-huh. there's also some weird stuff with the plot. I'll get into it. It doesn't really make sense. Hey, we're halfway through this review, and we've barely touched on any specifics from the episode. It's just been broad feelings of how do we feel about how the themes were portrayed. So, I'm hoping to get to some of the specific stuff next time on the review. In the meantime, Ryan, how, how are you feeling about we're we're on episode this, that was episode 126 out of you know it was 75 percent of the way fine. through. You know, one thing I didn't say the the first part of the season premiere. It's mm-hmm. sort of like. Hey, what if we spent half the episode recapping, the other half retconning, and the final minute spoiling the plot of the next episode? Yeah, so next... But otherwise, re- it was fine. So next review, we talk about an earthquake pun. That's a spoiler for oh, next yes, one. yes, we do. In keeping with the, the preview of what's going to happen next time. But yeah, this this one did feel like it was rather underwhelming. 
However, yeah. one way that I hope you never feel underwhelmed is by listening to us on here on Return to Gilead. And if you do feel underwhelmed, please let us know by sending us in a voice message and improving the quality of this podcast because it would be better smooth. if you sent us a voice message. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Very smooth. Next time we're doing part two of the season 10 premiere. I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. Thanks for joining us. This was quick. We'll see you next time on a Return to Gilead. <laughs> tell we were rushed in our recording no that's yes. not that's not because we were rushed in a recording i wanted to just get out of there because uh i was already rushing and i thought it'd be funny well if you include my thing it'll sound like we were rushed in our recording and it'll make sense for the audience i mean i have to include it now don't you I? you don't have to no yeah. it's, like it's at the, <laughs> the end the conversation now. is still going none of this got cut <laughs> i'm going to lose my mind if we don't move on please m&ms okay